Isaiah chapter 26, and I'm going to read from verse 1. In that day, this song will be sung in the land of Judah. We have a strong city. God will appoint salvation for walls and bulwarks. Open the gates that the righteous nation which keep the truth may enter in. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever, for in Yah the Lord is everlasting strength. Amen. Let's have a word of prayer, shall we? And then we're going to look at the word of God together. Dear Heavenly Father, as we look at the word of God together, we pray that you would speak into our hearts. We pray that you would open our eyes, you would unblock our ears. You would grant revelation, understanding by the Spirit of God. We pray that your anointing would be on my speaking and upon all our hearing. And we pray only that which is of you would remain with us. We ask that, Lord, you make this time a living time. A time where, Lord God, we come into fellowship with you through the word. May it be a holy time. May it be a time where we're built up in our faith. May it be a time when we're strengthened in our walk. May it be a time, Lord, when we see more of Christ. Oh, Lord God, meet with us for your praise and to your glory in these days, for surely we need you, Lord. And we ask for your grace to be upon us. We commit ourselves to you and ask that you would give us attentive ears to what the Spirit of God is saying to us. And may we respond accordingly. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Praise the Lord. So I wonder if um, we might consider together today, a little, for a little while anyway, this, these verses that I've just read to you. Now, as you know, I've been going through a series on Ephesians through the first chapter. And I felt it was right just for this morning to focus on one or two verses from the passage that I've just read to you. And so we will go back to the uh, series in Ephesians as the Lord leads, definitely. Um, but it's just this week I felt the Lord lay this verse 3 of Isaiah chapter 26 on my heart. So I believe we should look at this for now, and I trust it will be something of a blessing to you and an encouragement in your walk with the Lord. And uh, so we're going to consider this passage together. Now, by way of introduction, I don't think I need to um, tell you that we're living in unprecedented days. We're living in days where there is uh, much darkness, where there is much change about, days that we've never seen before in the church, days of change. And we need to, in these days, as believers, make sure that we know our God. 
We need to be those that are sure of our walk with him. And we need to be those that are able, even in the midst of difficult days, to know the peace of God in our hearts. And so I felt led for us to focus particularly on this verse 3, where we, re- where we read, You will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you. And how we need to know the peace of God in these days, dear friends. We're living in days that I believe are something of a prelude to those final days before the Lord Jesus returns. We are already seeing something of people fainting with fear and with foreboding of what is coming on the world. And that's a quotation from Luke chapter 21 and verse 26. We're seeing increasing fear, trouble, anxiety, people not knowing where to turn or what to believe um, or what to do or what evidence to go by concerning this pandemic and so forth. And people are getting very anxious and fearful. But as believers, let's remember what the scriptures say concerning those who are born again of the Spirit of God. In 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 7, we read, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind or self-control. As the people of God, the Lord hasn't given us, dear friends, a spirit of fear. He's given us of his spirit that enables us, even in the midst of the most difficult days, to know peace. A peace which surpasses understanding. A peace which is ever with us. We can know this peace continually because God has given us of his spirit. Remember, whatever happens round about us, dear friends, The Lord is not anxious and nothing is outside or beyond his control. He is sovereignly in authority and nothing takes him by surprise. Hallelujah for that. Well, with these things in mind, let's take a little bit of a closer look at this verse three and just have a time of meditation together upon these verses. You know, Uh, The particular chapters around this passage um, from Isaiah 25 to chapter 27 have been called the book of songs um, because here the Jewish remnant praises the Lord for their deliverance through great tribulation. Enemy cities have been pulverized, causing Gentiles to acknowledge the Almighty is all powerful. The Lord has been to his people all they needed. And that's going to be the truth, dear friends, in these days and leading up to the Lord's return. The Lord will be all our need. He will supply all our need. When there's temptation to fear and anxiety and trouble, the Lord will furnish us with the grace and the strength uh, to be able to stand, to be able not to fear, to be able to know a steadiness. Even in the midst of the storm, the Lord God will be our shield, will be the one who surrounds us and he will guard our hearts from these things as we look to him 
And um, we're going to see something of that truth in this particular verse 3. What a wonderful verse it is. One American Baptist hymn writer used, used to say, I love this verse more than any other verse in the Bible. Well, that's quite a statement, isn't it? But dear friends, when we look at this verse, we'll see there's much in it for encouragement and, uh, and to take to heart. So let's look firstly at the first few verses, uh, sorry, the first few words of verse three. We read, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. Firstly, please note that phrase, you will keep him. Let's just consider that for a moment. You will keep. You will keep. Dear friends, those who belong to the strong city that's mentioned in verse 1 have a strong saviour who not only preserves but maintains our spiritual well-being. What a precious phrase this is. The word keep here from the Hebrew means to look at, to watch over to guard in a good sense with fidelity and faithfulness. This is the nature of the Lord over his people. He watches over them. He looks over them. He guards them. He keeps them because he is faithful. The same Hebrew word for keep here comes up again in Isaiah chapter 27 and verse 3 where we read, I, the Lord, am its keeper. Every moment I water it, lest anyone punish it, I keep it day and night. That's referring to a vineyard, which is speaking of the people of God. And the Lord's essentially saying over the people of God that he keeps them. He's the one who keeps his people. I water it every moment. Now you see how diligent, how careful, how watchful the Lord is over those whom he has planted. He is the one who's done the planting. He is the one who does the keeping and the watering every moment. Isn't it wonderful? The Lord uh, nourishes, maintains what he has planted. He watches over his work. And we thank God, as it says in Philippians 1, that he has begun a good work in us. We'll go on to complete it, will he not? Is that not the nature of our God? Well, surely this is what we're reading here in these particular verses in Isaiah chapter 26 and in Isaiah chapters 27. You will keep him. Oh, what a wonderful thing it is. Particularly when you consider in Isaiah chapter 27, right at the start of it, it speaks of something of the Lord's judgments. It speaks in verse 1, in that day the Lord with his severe sword, great and strong, will punish Leviathan, the flea and serpent, and so forth. But it also um, talks in previous verses, for example, verse 21 of chapter 26. For behold, the Lord comes out of his place to punish the inhabitants of the earth for their iniquity. But then notice when it comes to his own people, he says, I, the Lord, keep it. Isn't that wonderful? Even in a day when the Lord's judgments are in the earth, 
when the Lord is bringing something of of a of 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 His judgments over the nations, even with this whole coronavirus thing, isn't it something the Lord has allowed this thing to happen, that the nations may wake up and realize they're not in control. The Lord is sovereign over all, and the Lord sends these things sometimes. But, dear friends, in the midst of even the Lord's judgments in the earth, let's remember concerning His own, His precious possession, His people, His love. Let us remember, dear friends, He watches over them to keep them, to guard them, to water them, even in a day when there's much shaking. Going on about, and therefore, dear friends, if the Lord is our keeper, we need not fear, we need not be anxious, we need not be troubled, and I believe something of being a witness unto Christ in these days will be a testimony of a people that are fearless, who are not full of anxiety and constantly fearful about what's happening about them. That will be a tremendous.、Uh, Testimony to those round about who are fearful and anxious, and I'm sure if our disposition is one of calm in the midst of the storm, we will begin to have questions from those outside saying, "Why is it that you have such peace?" And you will be able to say, "Because the Lord is my keeper." My brothers and sisters, the Lord is more watchful. And keep caring over his flock, than we can even contemplate. Such is his love. Such is his love. His love, dear friends, is a determined love. It's not merely sentimental, as though he lets his people get on and do whatever they like, and don't he doesn't mind how they act or whatever. No, no, no. But it's a determined love to bring us into what is good and to preserve. That which He has done in us—that is the God that we worship. Praise the Lord; He is our keeper. Isn't it a marvelous thing in verse three of Isaiah twenty-seven that He says, "Every moment I water it." You may feel you need a bit of watering this morning. You may feel anxious concerning your own spiritual condition, though you're seeking the Lord, and though you're you're seeking to be right with Him. And you're walking in covenant with him, and you feel, what if I go dry? What if I run out of grace? Oh, dear friends, let us not be unbelieving. Let us trust the Lord. Let us remember we have a faithful God, who watches over His word, who watches over His people, and is able to keep them. Well, dear friends, turn with me further to、um, highlight this point to John chapter seventeen, please. And verse twelve, John chapter seventeen, and verse twelve. And this is what's known as the high priestly prayer, isn't it? What a blessing and privilege it is for us to be able to read the Lord Jesus fellowshipping with His Father and interceding for His own. Look what it says here, brothers and sisters, in verse twelve of John. Chapter seventeen. While I was with them, the Lord Jesus is speaking of his disciples here. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in your name. Those whom you gave me, 
I have kept, and none of them is lost, except the son of perdition, that the scripture might be fulfilled. Now, let us for a moment consider that statement. The Lord Jesus is saying that of all those that the Father had given him, he had lost none of them. He kept them all. This is the diligence of the Lord Jesus over his own. Now we know his own did not always get things right. But thank God, the Lord Jesus preserved those that the Father gave to him. And this is something for us to really be encouraged by, isn't it? Because not only is the Lord Jesus interceding for his own disciples in John 17, but those who would come afterwards and be, if you like, the fruit of the uh, gospel going forth through these disciples. And the Lord has preserved our lives. Is he not able to keep you, dear friend? Is he not able to preserve you? Must you be anxious and fearful? Does this verse not give you encouragement? Think of how these disciples in times past, they failed the Lord Jesus, but the Lord Jesus never failed them. Think of how Peter was in a perilous position, really, a precarious position spiritually, if you like, or in a way. And the Lord Jesus comes to Peter and says that Satan has sought to sift you as wheat. But what does the Lord Jesus say? I have prayed for you. And he prayed that Peter's faith wouldn't fail, didn't he? You see, it's the intercession of the Lord Jesus is part of the ministry that is involved in his keeping of us. And thank God, the Lord Jesus intercedes for his own today in glory. Please turn back with me to John chapter 10. John chapter 10 and verse 27. The, this verse says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. What a tremendous picture this is of the Lord Jesus as the shepherd over the flock, the one who keeps his own. Notice the nature of the sheep. They hear the voice of the shepherd. They know him, sorry, and the Lord knows them and they follow him. And Jesus said, and I give them eternal life and they shall never perish, neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. You see, the Lord Jesus is watching carefully to keep that which is his, to preserve, to guard that which has been entrusted into his hands by the Father as a gift to the Son. And dear friends, if you be born of the Spirit of God this morning, you've been given to the Son by the Father, and the Son has got a wonderful grip around your life. You are his. He's not 
loose in his hold. He's firm, he's strong, and he will not let someone come in and snatch you from him. The Lord Jesus guards and keeps his own. What a tremendous encouragement this is for us, particularly in in these days where there's so much shaking round about us. Well, back to Isaiah chapter 26, please. Back to Isaiah chapter 26. And just moving on from that first statement, what does the uh, writer say? He says, what is, he says, you will keep him in perfect peace. So it's not only that the Lord keeps us, in other words, preserves our souls, but in this passage, it's talking about preserving our well-being. This is the marvellous thing. The word perfect peace from the Hebrew is shalom, shalom. It's like shalom, shalom, perfect peace. And the, the word shalom actually means to be whole. It means completeness, soundness, safety, peace and well-being. Oh, brothers and sisters, what more could we ask for? That the Lord should give us such a word as this. That the Lord should grant this to his people. The Lord will keep us, not only keep us as, in a sense, to uh, prevent the enemy destroying our lives, but keep us in completeness, in soundness, in safety, and of course, in peace. Now, dear friends, we live in a day where there's very little peace in the earth. I don't need to tell you that we live in days where there is much restlessness, anxiety, fear and vexation in the earth. We know we see it all about us. People certainly don't look at peace, do they? They look restless or fearful or spiritually just dead. What a tragedy. But this is why so many, so many who know there's a void in their lives, who know they have no peace, try to get peace by all different kinds of means apart from the Lord. And we find that people practice all kinds of things like yoga and other Eastern religious practices to try to get themselves at peace. Little do they realise they're opening themselves up potentially for some kind of connection with demonic spirits. And it's it's a tragic thing. But this is what's happening all about us. Yoga is very popular today. It's come even into our primary schools. I remember teaching in a primary school and uh, as I was teaching the guitar to a student, I was asked to leave the main hall, find somewhere else to do the lesson because the children were coming in to do their yoga class. And when I asked one of the children, do you have to do this? They said, yes, they had to do it. And we have all this thing of mindfulness and all these kind of things coming in today that are the result of the fact that people are restless. But the problem is, they're hewing for themselves systems that cannot hold water. They are going into wrong areas in order to find peace. 
and they meditate, trying to empty their minds to have some kind of experience of peace. However, for the believer, now please hear me on this, friends. For the believer, he is not trying to get peace. He lives to obey the Lord, knowing that the Lord will provide his peace. Now, I think that's something that we need to realise, because so often we can come before the Lord and we can try to get a feeling of peace as it were, and our focus is on trying to have an experience of peace, when really we need to realise in this passage in Isaiah 26, it says something that we must take note of, it says you will keep him in perfect peace, it's not our responsibility to somehow try and work a feeling of peace or well-being into our own um, subjective emotions that is not how we're called to be and if the emotion becomes the focus we lose sight of the lord if we're not careful listen it's the lord who gives the peace that's the lord's responsibility which is the marvelous thing and it takes the weight off your shoulders when you realize the lord is the one that gives the peace it is with him he is the god of peace he is the god who provides the shalom, it says here that he will keep you in perfect peace. He's the one that does it. It is his, if you like, responsibility to bring you uh, into that state of completeness and soundness and safety. Why is that? Because you are his responsibility. He has taken you to himself. You are not your own. You've been bought with a price, with the very blood of the Lord Jesus. So the Lord takes responsibility for you. You're now his. Now that's a tremendous thing to realise, friends. What a weight goes off our shoulders when we realise, I am the Lord. I've been chosen by the Lord. I am his. I'm his responsibility. The peace, the well-being, the safety, it's all with him. And praise the Lord, we can have the testimony of the psalmist who said in Psalm chapter 4 verse 8, In peace I will both lie down and sleep, for you alone make me dwell in safety. Hallelujah for that. The Lord is your peace. Well, you say, what is there then for me to do? Well, when we look at this particular passage, we realise that the Lord keeps um, those in perfect peace whose minds are stayed on him. So there is a condition, in a sense, to knowing the Lord Shalom. And when we look through the word of God, we will find that sometimes the promises that are in the word of God are attached with a condition. An obvious example is that we cannot experience any blessing from the Father outside of the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is impossible. Jesus himself in John chapter 14 verse 6 said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. 
In other words, we cannot experience anything of the blessings of God the Father if we be not born of the Spirit and have come to realize that Jesus Christ is Lord. We need to be in Christ if we're going to experience the blessings of the Father, because the Father blesses all those who are in the Lord Jesus. And it's of God the Father that we're in Christ when we're born again. So no matter how uh, sincere we may appear, if we don't know what it is to come to Christ, if we don't know the Lord Jesus personally as our Saviour, we cannot lay hold of anything of the blessings of the Father. Remember what it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, uh, sorry, 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 20. This is a very important verse, as all the scripture is, as you, as you know, but I think this is so vital for us to think about. 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 20 says this, For all the promises of God in him, that means in Christ, are yes, and in him, amen, to the glory of of God through us. All the promises of God in the Lord Jesus are yours. But you need to be in the Lord Jesus. And we live in a, a pluralistic society that says, well, Jesus is a way to God, but there are other ways to God as well. And I can go to God through my way and you can go to God through your way. But at least we're both going to God. No! The word of God is clear. There is no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. There is no other way into the blessings of God. Do you want to know the shalom of God? Do you want to know the well-being of God? Then you need to be in Christ. And thank God, dear friends, if you be born again of the Spirit this morning, I trust you are. If there's any listening who doesn't know the Lord Jesus personally as their saviour, perhaps some of the younger ones, you don't know your relationship to Christ for sure, then I would plead with you, ask the Lord to grant you the gift of repentance, that you may turn from your sins, be born again of the Spirit, for there's no other way to God. We must be born again. We must be. There's no other way into the blessings of God. There's salvation in no other name. There's no other ark, dear friends. There's no other deliverance from the wrath of God apart from the person of the Lord Jesus Christ and his effective work of Calvary. There is no other salvation. So I want to ask you, do you know him? If you don't know the Lord Jesus, you are a stranger to the blessings of the Father. But if you are born again of the Spirit of God, oh, dear friends, all the blessings of the Father are yours in his Son. Let me read it again. For all the promises of God in him are yes, and in him, amen, to the glory of God through us. There are conditions. There are conditions. Outside of the Lord Jesus, we have nothing but in him we have every spiritual blessing. You know, we've been looking at Ephesians chapter 1. 
that we've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in the Lord Jesus. Blessed be his holy name. Now, dear friends, if we fulfill the conditions, the Lord will always fulfill the promise. For we have a God who cannot lie. The Lord is always faithful to his word. You will never find the Lord promise you something that he will not fulfill. We read in Titus chapter 1 and verse 2 these words. In hope of eternal life, which God, who never lies, promised before the ages began and at the proper time manifested his word. Who never lies. The Lord cannot lie, dear friends. And what a wonderful thing it is to know that this is the God that we worship. Do you remember Numbers chapter 23 and verse 19? Numbers chapter 23 and verse 19 says this. God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should repent. Has he said... And will he not do? Or has he spoken? And will he not make it good? And so he goes on, verse 20. Behold, I have received a command to bless. He has blessed and I cannot reverse it. Friends, God is not a man that he should lie. He doesn't suddenly decree something and then decide later on to change his mind. He's a God who is faithful to his word. He watches over his word to perform it. He shall not renege on what he says he will do. And he has promised us eternal life. Hallelujah. But there's a condition to that. You need to be born again. Is there a condition to knowing the shalom of God? Well, dear friends, look at what it says. Isaiah, again, chapter 26. Turning back here. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. There's the condition for us knowing the fullness of the Lord's shalom. Now, the word stayed from it, the Hebrew is very interesting. It means this, and I quote, to place or lay something upon anything so that it may, uh, so that it may rest upon and be supported by it. Or as somebody else has put it, to place or lay upon anything to impose so as to rest or be supported upon anything. So I may place a cup of coffee upon a table. That table now supports the cup and the cup rests upon the table. Let me ask you this question, dear brothers and sisters, beloved of God. Is your mind stayed on the Lord? Do you place your mind upon him that you may fully rest and lean upon him entirely? 
Do you remember what it says in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6? Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not upon your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your path. Notice how trusting in the positive is put as leaning in the negative in the same verse. In other words, trusting and leaning are linked. Is your mind stayed on the Lord unto your entire being leaning upon him? Are you, dear brother, dear sister, trusting the Lord? Is your mind stayed upon him? Or are you someone who trusts in the Lord perhaps for a little while and then we wobble a bit? Well, we can be like that, can't we? But we need to be those that are steady. And this is something of what this word stayed can imply. For example, in Psalm 112, this verse comes up, again, where we read in verse 7 and 8, Psalm 112, verse 7 and 8, these words. Speaking of the righteous in verse 6, Surely he will never be shaken, the righteous will be in everlasting remembrance, he will not be afraid of evil tidings, his heart is steadfast, trusting in the... Sorry, John, what scripture is that? Sorry, um, Psalm 112, verse 7 and 8. So Psalm 112, verse 7, He will not be afraid of evil tidings, his heart is steadfast, trusting in the Lord. His heart is established, he will not be afraid, until he sees his desire upon his enemies. Now the New King James says his heart is established in verse 8, or the um, uh, the English Standard Version puts it, his heart is steady. His heart is established. That word is the same Hebrew word as stayed in Isaiah chapter 26 and verse 3. So what is the outworking of this the child of God whose heart is stayed on the Lord. Well, he will not be afraid. You see, this is the marvellous thing, friends. If your mind is focused on the Lord, you've experienced this, haven't you? Your mind is focused on the Lord. You're thinking and meditating upon him. Your concentration, your attention is upon him. Fear doesn't have a chance, does it? But it's when we take our eyes off the Lord, when we start meditating on the swirling winds that are round about us or the changeable things that are around us, that we find ourselves getting into a little bit of trouble. And we must be careful to keep our mind and our eyes upon the Lord. Do you remember what the scriptures say in Isaiah chapter 41 and verse 10? The verse says this, Fear not. For I am with you, be not dismayed, 
for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Now notice that phrase, be not dismayed. Now the word dismayed from the Hebrew means in a sense to look in dismay or gaze about in anxiety. And the New American Standard puts something along the lines of, um, fear not for I am with you, do not look about you anxiously. I think the New American Standard translates it something like that. And that's a close rendition to what the Hebrew is saying in the way that the New King James translates dismayed. It means to look about you anxiously. Why do we look about us anxiously? We well, when we do, when we look about ourselves anxiously, it means we've taken our eyes off the Lord. We need to get them back upon the Lord. And if our eyes are upon the Lord, our heart will be steady. We will not be afraid. And and notice what it says back in Psalm 112 and verse eight. Just going back to that passage that I just read to you a moment ago. It says his heart is established in verse eight. He will not be afraid until he sees his desire upon his enemies. It means that even though there be enemies round about him, he will not be afraid. Why? Because his heart is established. In other words, his heart is fixed. It's steady. What is he going to be steady on? Well, we know from Isaiah 26, 3, that the way of peace is in this being stayed in our minds upon the Lord himself. Now concerning this particular verse in Psalm 112 about he, uh, his heart is established, he will not be afraid until he sees his desire upon his enemies. We have a wonderful example of that working out in history in 2 Chronicles chapter 32 and verse 8 with Hezekiah. 2 Chronicles chapter 32, 2 Chronicles chapter 32 and verse 8, the, the backdrop is that the Assyrian king came because Hezekiah um, determined to recover the independence of his nation, refused to pay tithe, uh, sorry, to pay the tribute of his father um, that had bound him to to pay to Assyria. Sennacherib um, retaliated as a result and comes up against Hezekiah. And that's the backdrop to what happened. So um, we're seeing Sennacherib, Sennacherib coming up, the king of Assyria, to do battle with Hezekiah. And obviously, naturally speaking, when your enemy is coming up against you, you're going to be anxious. But look at verse 7. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid nor dismayed because the king of Assyria, uh, before the king of Assyria, nor before all the multitude that is with him. For there are more with us than with him. With him is an arm of flesh, but with us is the Lord our God to help us and to fight our battles. And the people were strengthened by the words of Hezekiah, 
king of Judah. That word strengthened is the same Hebrew word as stayed in Isaiah chapter 26 and verse 3 and Psalm 112 and verse 8. Here we have a battle going on. Here we have the enemy coming in, the king of Assyria, to bring uh, his 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 weight to bear upon the people of God. And Hezekiah strengthens the people, and the people were strengthened by the words of Hezekiah. And uh, Hezekiah fortified the city, verse 5, trusted God in verse 8, who delivered them in verse 21 and 22. And uh, we can thank God for these things. There we are. The people were strengthened. The people were stayed. And uh, in the day of battle. And you and I are going to know increasing battles in the days ahead. But we need to keep our attention, don't we, upon the Lord. Because if we keep our eyes on him, fear will not take hold of us. Now, do you know, there are those in the word of God who got distracted away from focusing on Christ and keeping their minds on him. Do you remember who they were? I can think of two. One was Peter. Uh, you remember in Matthew chapter 14 and verse 30, we read these words. Uh, Matthew 14 verse 30. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. That was when Peter had asked the Lord if he could come out the boat and walk on the water with him. Now that's in Matthew chapter 14. And it's very interesting when you look at the passage, because Peter asks in verse 28, Lord, if it is you, in other words, if it is the Lord Jesus on the water, command me to come to you on the water. Verse 29. So he came, so he said, come. And when Peter had come out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and called him and said to him, O you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. Now, didn't notice this, dear friends, that Peter was walking on the water to go to Jesus. So initially his eyes were on the Messiah, and he was able to walk on the water. But when he was distracted, when his mind was no longer stayed on the Messiah, and the winds uh, caught his attention, he began to be afraid. You see, fear comes in when our minds are not stayed on the Lord. But when our minds are stayed on the Lord, what is there to fear? If God is for us, who can be against us? To quote Romans 8. That's the truth of the matter. But when we lose sight of the truth of the matter and we begin to be persuaded by devilish schemes to undermine our faith and we begin to listen and take note of the wind and the waves, we find fear entering into our hearts and we feel we're going to sink. Well, dear friends, praise the Lord that even though Peter had taken his eyes off the Lord, even though he wasn't stayed on the Lord at this time, he cried out to the Lord and the Lord Jesus came 
and secured him back into the boat and preserved his soul. That is a marvellous thing. But, dear brothers and sisters, the Lord was wanting, surely, Peter, to stay upon the Lord Jesus. And, dear friends, the winds are going to get higher as we get nearer towards the Lord's return. And therefore we need to be those that are continually fixed, stayed, steady, focused in our minds upon the Lord himself. Very, very important. Well, another example, and I won't go into this too long because we are running out of time, really. But another example of somebody who was distracted from the Lord was Martha. You remember in Luke chapter 10, verse 40, but Martha was distracted with much serving. Dear friends, we need our minds to be set upon the Lord and not focused on everything about us. If we do, we are going to be anxious. If you look at the work round about you, if you think all that needs to get done round about you, if that becomes your focus, um, your service of the Lord, all you can see is the, the work you've got to do for the Lord and the weight and the responsibility of it, and your eyes just get on that, and your mind's just on that, rather than on the Lord, you will find yourself becoming anxious, and overly burdened, and fretful, which is exactly what happened to Martha, and in the end the Lord had to say, Martha, Martha, you are worried about many things, but one thing is necessary, and dear friends, the Lord Jesus says to uh, Martha, Mary has chosen that good part that will not be taken away from her. She has chosen what the one thing that's necessary. What is it? To sit at the Lord's feet, hear his teaching, focus yourself, focus your mind upon him. And everything flows out of that, friends. Everything flows out of that seated position. And we need to be those that don't get distracted. Even the service we do for the Lord can become a distraction if we're not careful from the Lord himself. He must be our focus. Philippians 4 verse 6 says this. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Isn't that a marvellous verse of scripture? Dear friends, consider it. Do not be anxious about anything. If you're tempted to anxiety, what are you to do? You have a problem. You have a situation. And it's true, we have difficulties. We're not those who are to bury our head in the sand and pretend nothing of difficulty is happening round about us. But neither are we those as the people of God to be overtaken by these things. I remember uh, 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 somebody came up to a famous speaker and says, how are you doing, brother? And he said, very well over the circumstances. And I think that's a good way of putting it. That's what the Lord wants us to be, brothers and sisters. Uh, overcomers, those who overcome by his grace. Well, Philippians 4, 6, do not be anxious about anything. There's no reason for us to be anxious, dear friends. Even, even though things appear to be so difficult, 
the Lord wants us to learn the way of peace, which is to bring everything in prayer to the Lord. You see, if you're praying and supplicating with thanksgiving, your mind is stayed on the Lord, isn't it? It's another way of saying your mind being stayed on the Lord. Prayer, supplication, thanksgiving, your folk, you're bringing everything of what is a potential anxiety in the light of who God is. And you're staying yourself upon him. Now, as you do it, as you do this matter, uh, as you pray, as you um, lay hold on the Lord, it says that the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Again, it's the Lord that will grant you that peace. It's the Lord that will grant you that peace that surpasses all understanding. Oh, thank God for such a peace. Well, dear friends, our peace is a lot dependent on what we're set upon. Do you remember what it says in Romans chapter 8 and verse 6? For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. Life and peace. Set your mind on the spirit. Let's not set our mind on the flesh, not on the things of the flesh. We don't want anything to do with that. But we want our minds to be set on the spirit and the work of God, the spirit of God who has been given to us. Well, back to Isaiah chapter 26 as we come towards the close. Isaiah chapter 26. You will keep him in perfect, perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Now, that's the thing. If your mind is stayed on the Lord, that is an evidence that you actually trust him. If you're looking about you anxiously and fretful, that shows us that there's something wrong with our heart condition, spiritually speaking. There's something that needs to be changed within us, isn't there? And I don't say that to condemn any of us. For if we be in Christ, thank God, there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. We don't walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. We're in Christ. We're not talking about just trying to beat each other up over uh, areas that we struggle in. And certainly this is an area that I could struggle in quite easily. Anxiety and so forth. But I want to encourage you as I encourage my own heart. Look what it says. It says in this verse that you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Okay, so if my mind is stayed on the Lord, I'm showing that I'm trusting him. That even in the midst of the difficulty and the adverse feelings and so forth that I may experience, my mind is stayed on him, no matter how I feel inwardly or subjectively. I'm leaning myself entirely upon him. That is an evidence that I'm really trusting him. See, it's one thing to say I trust the Lord. It's another thing for that to become a reality in difficult circumstances, isn't it? One is in the area of our profession. But what we profess needs to be our experience. We need to come into the experience of what we confess. 
Otherwise, it's just a, a statement that we're saying without any sort of relevance to the way we're living. But God wants us to live what we say about him, live what we sing about him. And in these days, dear friends, I believe, as I mentioned earlier, this will be a tremendous opportunity for us to be a witness in these days. And this is something that came up in our prayer meeting on Tuesday, that we might be witnesses. Well, dear friends, the Lord wants us to know that witness. And you won't be conscious of it. Somebody may ask you about why you're at peace and you won't be conscious of it at all. It's not a self-conscious effort. It's not as though you try and make your face look peaceful when you're outside in some kind of self-conscious and sanctimonious. Uh, sort of, you know, religious way, shall we say. No, not at all. I remember years ago, I was at a bus stop waiting to leave my university and somebody came up to me and asked me whether I was religious and I said, well, I I, I believe in the Lord. And this person said, I, I thought so because you seem so at peace. Well, I was almost shocked by that statement. But something of the Lord was there. Oh, you see, it won't be something that you are self-conscious of, no. But as you just lean on the Lord, just trust him. The testimony will come. The testimony will come. You will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Then we have the exhortation of verse 4. Trust in the Lord forever. Oh, dear friends, keep trusting in the Lord. Don't just trust him today, trust him tomorrow. Why? Because he is trustworthy. He is trustworthy. There's not a saint that has ever lived on this planet throughout history that the Lord hasn't been trustworthy to. Not one. Hallelujah. Well, why do you think he's going to fail you then? Why do you think he's going to let you down? Are you too big a case for him? Is that the problem? Has he not had to deal with people who are of a bigger issue than yours that you're going through right now? You're struggling with it and you're thinking, well, I don't know if the Lord's going to hold on to me. Friends, the Lord is trustworthy. He's a rock. He's immovable. He's sufficient. He's able to keep you from falling. Think of the Lord Jesus. His, if I may so put it, his track record. I don't like to put it like that, but you understand. Look at the history. Has he ever failed a believer? Has he ever failed any of his sheep? He knows them by name, friends. Oh, have faith. Have faith in the Lord. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't doubt him. Why do you doubt him? What has he done to make you doubt him? How has he failed you to make you doubt him? He has promised, Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 5, something wonderful, has he not? Let me read the verse to you. Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 5. Let your conduct be without covetousness, be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said... I will never leave you, nor forsake you. So we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? You see, that's our testimony, friends. That's to be our testimony. The Lord 
is not a fair weather friend. It's not somebody who's here one day, faithful to us, and then gone the next. No, he is steadfast. He is sure. He is immovable. He is trustworthy. Faithful is he who's called us. We can trust him. And when we don't trust him, we're in a sense saying he is not trustworthy. Oh, dear friends, our Lord is so trustworthy. May the Lord help us, for we are weak and we are feeble. And thank God that even when we take our eyes on the Lord and start sinking and cry out to him, he comes along and takes us by the hand and lifts us back into the boat. But I want to get through to the place with the Lord where I can be with him where I can be with him in the storm and walk on the water. And that's the way the Lord wants us to be, proving his power, proving the sufficiency of his grace, proving that he is able to keep us and keep us in perfect shalom. Let me end, dear friends, by just reading the verse again. I can't tire of reading it, really, can you? Let me read it again one more time. You will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you, because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever, for in Yah the Lord is everlasting strength. Amen.